In this week's episode, Marissa has on the air conditioning, which isn't so bad, except that sometimes the mic picks it up and sometimes it doesn't. So if you hear anything weird, just ignore it. Y'all heard? I'm exhausted, but I'm going to try my best to not be incoherent or belligerent. You can be belligerent. It's like your character. (laughs) One, two, three. Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. This is Y'all, Y'all Heard, a podcast where me, Marissa Phillips, and me, Pete Phillips, take a magnifying glass to cultural trends, weird theories, celebrated kooks, and notable people, and we pour that into a pot, and then we put the pot on the stove and we heat it up. But in this situation, the pot is your brain, and then like your brain starts screaming like a pot of tea wood on a stove, because it can't handle how good this podcast is. Do you usually put a magnifying glass to your food before you cook it? No. Just wondering. That but, was a very you know, weird. it doesn't hurt. Always wash your fruit, everybody. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> In other words, ow. Sorry, I had chest pain. <laughs> I had a random chest pain. In other words, we tell you things you didn't know you needed to know. Pete, how was your week? Is, was, whatever. I had the thought today, Pete, you got to get out there and start doing some stuff. So that when Marissa asks how your week is on the <laughs> podcast, I mean, I realize I could lie, but you'd probably call me out. Anyway, yeah. the highlight of my week is that I had a coupon for $2.50 off any ice cream item at the grocery store. And so I got Ooh. a little pint of chocolate peanut butter haagen and I ate the shit out of it, and it was amazing. Good for you. <laughs> that was the best. <laughs> I had ice cream twice today. Wow. And way over my sugar limit. Yeah. And your lactose limit. Yeah. I'm just farty all the time, so it doesn't even matter anymore. My girl likes to farty all the time. Farty all the time. Farty all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> I wouldn't say this is the high point of my week, but an interesting point of my week was. So, person I'm dating. Question um, mark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I just thought I'd put that in there for everybody <laughs> who, who hears it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, the person I'm seeing, whatever. Anyway, they know I like watching Asian TV shows. They do not. But I guess to like be nice to me, they're like, let's find an Asian drama on Netflix. And we couldn't really agree on anything. So then we saw something that looked intriguing called My Husband Can't Fit or My Husband Can't Fit It In. Right. Have you seen Have you seen I saw this? the title. Yeah, and we thought it was a comedy. <laughs> so it starts with this woman looking like she's going to commit suicide off of, a, off of a mountain. And she stops her car last minute, and she's, like, crying on the side of the road. And some old people stop their car, and they're like, are you okay? And she's like, my husband can't fit it in. And then it goes in a flashback to when she meets her husband. And then it kind of does become a very light comedy. And you're like, this is a quaint little show. I wonder what it's going to do. I wonder, like, how they're going to resolve this. And they have a cute little romance. So the episodes were long. It was time to go to sleep. I'm sorry. This is a story. but uh, What is uh, it? What? What is it? Well, it's definitely his penis. Well, we didn't uh. know for a long time. We <laughs> didn't know until the end of the episode. So we end the episode, but it's time to go to bed. So we're like, oh, man, let's, let's Google what happened. And it gets so trashy. <laughs> it's like he could never tragedy. fit it in. And he thought she was a virgin, but she wasn't because other penises fit in her vagina, just not his. And they decide to get married, but they can't have children. 
So at the end, she decides to like have sex with random men, and he decides to go to massage parlors forever. And she decides to accept it. And every time she passes the massage parlor he goes to, she bows and goes like, "Oh, no. thank you for helping my husband." And it was really upsetting. That's yep. all. Yep, that's upsetting. So if you'd like to see a very interesting show that is culturally lost, I think, on anyone living in the United States, watch It Doesn't Fit, or He Doesn't Fit, or He Can't Fit It In, (laughs) something like that. Okay. Icebreaker. Hey, Marissa. Hey. If you were a cereal, which one would you be? Oh, my God. So the backstory on this one, to give you some time to think, is that I donated to the Max Fun Drive since Dr. Show is over. Dr. Game Show. What? Yeah. Um, So I was listening to one of the bonus episodes today, and that was one of the questions that they asked. So So this is is not a what's your favorite cereal. This is like what cereal is you? It just so happens that in my case... (laughs) It is your favorite? Yeah. So tell me. Yours first. Again, always a little unfair because the person who's asking the icebreaker question usually has a little bit extra time to think about it. Yeah. I think Special K, Vanilla Almond. Why? And here's why. Because you're so vanilla. Because it looks boring on the shelf. Okay. But it tastes pretty good. Okay. It's not really like super good for you, but it's not too bad for you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's like, yeah, like there's almonds in it. So like that's healthy for you. But there's still like, there's still sugar in it. So that's not great for you. Yeah. Plus, I love it. And I guess that's the part that really just doesn't mess with it being me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I can also eat it with or without milk. Yeah, I support that. I absolutely support that. Then I was like, Marissa's not going to let that one fly. What else? I was going to (laughs) say... I don't like the milk part because that didn't make sense, but everything else made sense. Oh, no, totally didn't. <laughs> then I was like, oh, like Cap'n Crunch because I chop up people's mouths. And I was like, no, no Marissa no, won't like that no. either. <laughs> I don't like that one. I was going to let Special K go. Good. But you couldn't give me more if you No, that's me. all I got. I saw a donut today with Fruity Pebbles on it. Oh, my God, I love Fruity Pebbles. Um, I thought you were immediately going to jump to the Halloween cereals. I was, but I don't know how to relate them to me because I love them. But then when you eat too much, it's like, whoa. And I think I That's become, what I thought with Cap'n Crunch, too. I think I become more pleasant with time, but I'm overwhelming initially. <laughs> but I don't know a cereal that's overwhelming then better. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, like, mini wheats. It's like, it's, it's hard to get them down sometimes because they're so <laughs> overwhelming. <laughs> But oh, ultimately, no, they're good for you. Um, um, grape nuts. Okay. This is through my personal experience, but you're like, uh, I don't know. These are weird <laughs> and like hard to get into. But then once you're in, you can't live without them, and you have withdrawals, <laughs> and you're like, I need them. I could eat them every I need meal. My grape nuts. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I'm a party but addictive person. What? I don't like this. <laughs> I'm kind of like grape nuts with, like, meth on them. <laughs> My old roommate used to eat grape nuts with, like, shit, what was it? Like, <laughs> I swear this isn't it, but I feel like it was, like, with butter. 
she would like make them in something savory. I feel like she put them like with curry. <laughs> okay. I would put them as a topping. I would make that thing where you puree a banana, a frozen banana, so the bananas like ice cream, but I would mix blueberries in it, so it was like blueberry banana ice cream, and then I would top it with grape nuts. All right. Or sometimes I would just put a little bit of milk in them, just enough that all the grape nuts were wet, and let them soak, and then just eat mushy grape nuts. Me and my roommate had a grape nut time, where <laughs> that's what we ate all of the time. <laughs> Kathy, if you're listening, please correct me and tell us what you ate with the grape nuts. I assume it wasn't butter. But I really I can't like wait to get a voicemail like, from Kathy where she goes, no, I just wanted to confirm it's 100% butter. I used to eat <laughs> great like nuts I felt butter. like, Kathy, I feel like you were eating like instead of rice, like with dinner. But I could have made that up. I could make our past into a fairy tale now that there's so much time <laughs> removed. Everybody go out there, try some grape nuts, get a little <laughs> taste of Marissa. <laughs> and do the same with Special K Vanilla Almond. Speaking of getting nuts. <laughs> celebrities once a year get nuts at the <laughs> Met Gala by the way guys this is a very short episode on my part uh, I don't have a topic so Pete was like is there a topic in the Met Gala I didn't confirm that there was before I decided that's what I was <laughs> but I do have some fun I'm places. just looking forward to finding out what I think everybody else might be which is why do they do this Okay. Why do you think they do it? I hope, more than anything, that it's charity-related. And I hope that it's for a charity that helps people, or, like, animals, maybe? But, like, preferably people. I not, mean... Not art. It's not what it is. Wikipedia. <laughs> Let me double-check, because you just made it seem so selfish now. Yep. Give me a second. That's what I think I when I see it. So the Met Gala is fundraising, okay? Uh, it be. was... It's more formal title when it was founded was the Costume Institute Gala. And it is the annual fundraising gala that benefits the Metropolitan Museum of Arts Costume Institute, which is in New York City. So I guess basically it funds the annual exhibit that runs in the Costume Institute. You look very disappointed. I am. (laughs) Okay. Because I don't care what any fashion designer says. That doesn't help people. No, it doesn't. Uh, the event, I guess it is a lot of money, though, to, like, run the Metropolitan. <laughs> anyway, the gala marks the opening of the Costume Institute's annual fashion exhibit. Each year's event celebrates the theme that the Costume Institute's exhibition will portray, and the guests of the gala are expected to choose their outfits to match that theme. Pete, did you know what this year's theme was? Camp. Yes. Camp. But not camping. No, not camping. Like I've seen camping. that joke like ten times. Uh, <laughs> so the Met Gala was established in 1948 by a fashion publicist named Eleanor Lambert. By the way, the most of this is not history. I'm just doing this in case you don't really know what it is. Then Thank I'm going to go into something else. As I, a hope, way it's, to raise I money, hope it's a tirade. No. So it was it was founded by Eleanor Lambert as a way to raise money for the newly founded Costume Institute and to mark the opening of its annual exhibit. The first gala ever was a midnight dinner and tickets were simply $50 each. Holy shit, did they get more expensive? Yeah. And for the next few decades, first few decades of its existence, the gala was simply one of many annual events 
held for New York charitable institutions. But eventually it would become this overblown, gigantic, crazy town thing. Now the gala is regarded as one of the most exclusive social events in the entire world. And one of the biggest fundraising nights in New York City. For example, in 2014, uh, there were $12 million raised from the event. And currently, Anna Wintour is the woman who does it now. I forget what the hell she does. Oh, she's the Vogue editor-in-chief. Anyway, so the, the, the event is known for having really ridiculous, over-the-top rules. Everyone wants to be invited, but, like, you better follow Anna Wintour's do what she says if you want to keep being invited. Because just because you were invited one year does not mean you will get invited another year. And some people have broken her rules throughout the years, and she gets real pissed off. Some celebrities who have spoken out about the ridiculous rules have included, like, Gwyneth Paltrow, Tina Fey, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer said it was unfun and punishment. And in Amy, in 2016, she went forward and said more, saying that the event was people doing an impression of having a conversation. And in past years, Demi Lovato and Tina Fey have openly bashed the event, calling it a, quote, jerk parade, according to Tina Fey, and full of people who were fake and sucking the fashion industry's dick, said Demi Lovato. So, okay. anyway, so let's talk about some of the things you can and cannot do in the Met Gala. But first, how much do you think people pay? By the way. You can only go if you're invited. You can't just, like, buy a ticket. But you're invited, then you need to buy a ticket. Unless you, like, are the guest of, uh, like, a fashion house or something. Okay. How much do you think you need to pay? All right. Can you play a game of, like, higher or lower? Like, I'll throw sure. out a number. All right. Is it less than a million? Yes. Is it less than you half a million? You get five million? guesses. Or five questions. What? Half a million. Yes. We're talking about per seat, not per table, by the way. I, I just... I don't know. I'm just so sad guessing. Okay. $100,000. Oh, which is not as bad. According to the New York Times, last, well, since last year's, I don't remember when I'm sorry. I'm so, just everybody listening. I just stopped and thought for a second. If you guys are listening to this episode using critical thinking skills, then you'll know that Marissa said that they raised $12 million. Was it last year? No, in 2014. In 2014. Which means, according to my first guess, <laughs> only 12 people showed up. <laughs> So I just want to take that back and say that, you know, with some time and some paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nice, nice job, Pete. So according to this article, which I don't remember was written, it says, quote, last year's tickets cost $30,000 a piece, and it was $275,000 if you wanted to pay for an entire table. So again, even though getting an invitation is an honor, you actually still need to pay for it. And apparently you better go if you're invited. If you never, if you decline an invitation from Anna Winter, you are never invited again unless you are like absolute celebrity royalty. That's okay. Um, like like Beyonce or something. Otherwise, she's like, bitch. That was you one chance. So, one of the rules: what happens at the Met Gala stays at the Met Gala unless you are, you know, doing the catwalk at the beginning down the down the red carpet. Because people are forbidden to take photos or videos inside of the gala with their phone. So it's an orgy? Yes, it's an orgy. <laughs> For fear that they will go on social media. As such, it is a selfie-free zone. 
I think it was one of the Kardashians that broke that rule a few years back and pissed off Anna Winter. She took a selfie in the bathroom. Also, this year it seemed like all the twats were breaking the rules because one of the Riverdale girls took pictures of herself eating the cake. And it wasn't even an interesting picture. Anyway, <laughs> cell phones in general are forbidden. You're not supposed to be looking at your phone, whether it's picture taking or texting. Like, they could be on you, but you're not supposed to be messing with them much at all. Former, what else are you doing? Just making sure your children don't call you? I don't know. Uh, former Met Ball planner Silvana Durex admitted in 2016 that staffers were even supposed to check on guest cell phone usage. We aren't sitting on over people's shoulders, she said, but if it's an obvious thing, we might gently remind them of the policy. So what are you supposed to do if you're not supposed to look at your phone? Well, numerous things. First of all, at the Met Gala, the celebrities are the first to be able to see the Costume Institute's exhibit. So, you know, they look at the exhibit. But when they're having the dinner, they are supposed to be mingling. And in fact, Anna Wintour, the lady in charge, frowns on famous people bringing their spouses. Uh, and even if so, she wants them to sit kind of far apart because she encourages mingling amongst people, not just staying to yourself. Another rule is no unattractive... Oh, by the way, I don't think that these are written in a rule book. These are supposedly the unspoken rules that people involved have said exist. Uh, no unattractive food, meaning there are certain ingredients and dishes that the caterers avoid, such as parsley, a former Vogue staffer said so that, you know, it doesn't get stuck in people's teeth and mess up photos. Onion and garlic because of bad breath. Or uh, messy appetizers like bruschetta. Another rule, actually the last rule because this is the last one I have, is no children. I think in the past uh, younger people might have been allowed, but nowadays it is not appropriate for anyone under 18. You're not even allowed to bring your spouse. Who the hell do you think no, you are bringing your kids are. here? <laughs> No, you are, but generally... It's going to be another 30,000. Generally, a lot of people go, like, with, with a fashion designer. <laughs> like, Sarah... Let me see. Oh, that wasn't a fashion designer, but Sarah Jessica Parker went with Andy Cohen, the guy from Watch What Happens Live and wherever the fuck else he does. Lady Gaga might have went with a, a designer. A lot of people go with their designers, but a few people come in with their husbands. So, the last thing that I will share is, as I said, this year's theme was camp. There were some hits and misses. Uh, there was a comp not a competition, a conversation in my workplace because I can't believe it. Really liked Kim Kardashian's dress. I don't think it was campy per se, but it was awesome. She had this dress that was skin tone, and it was it had the fabric and the color in a way made it look like it was wet. And she showed up with wet hair or like sleek back hair, and the designer had attached thousands of raindrop shaped like crystals. So it looked like she was dripping at all times. It was kind of awesome. I do recommend that, that you gross. do look up. Even if you don't think it's campy, I do recommend you look at Kim Kardashian's dress. And Lady Gaga had a dress that kept coming apart and becoming another dress, which, like, yeah, that's great. But, like, she's already campy, so, like, I'm not impressed. So some past themes <clears throat> include the glory of Russian costume. Romantic and glamorous Hollywood design, the Manchu dragon costumes in China, the Qing Dynasty, Cubism. I remember one year I watched Punk Chaos to Couture was the theme. Superheroes, fashion and fantasy. That sounds like that would be fun. 
And let me read one more. Heavenly bodies fashioned in the Catholic imagination. Catholic. I don't know why I said Catholic. Yeah, that one was interesting and probably sacrilegious to a fair amount of people. So, yeah. Any questions? It sounds dumb. The whole thing? Yeah. I mean, if you like fashion, it's like the biggest event of the year. But, like, why? Because people wear interesting clothes. But, like, why? Because it's to commemorate the Costume Institute's costume exhibit. That's my big why. Because <laughs> art. Because <laughs> art, Pete. Because art. I'm not saying I'm, like, totally... Not no. that it's the best use of people's money. But I'm just saying, like, I do like looking at the dresses every year. I you could feed a family of three for $30,000 a year, I bet, <laughs> in some parts of the country. I mean, yes. No, I mean, feed them for how many days? Like if that was an annual wage <laughs> in I some parts of the country. A little much, but okay. <laughs> anyway. I enjoyed uh, John Early had some tweets yesterday, and he was throwing out all sorts of uh, theme ideas, and I just, like, his first one, the best, which was your theme for tonight's Met Gala is Shepherd's Pie. <laughs> Don't know why, just loved it. That's hilarious. <laughs> I like that a lot. Thank you for confirming that it is... I, I have to say, as I'm watching the playoffs in basketball, for example, I'm watching them and I'm like, I know that everybody who works there is getting paid from this, but surely somebody is like walking away with a boatload of money that could feed a bunch of people. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know. I understand. I agree. But I mean, I don't know. US loves celebrity culture. What would we what would we do without it, Pete? We might find our own way. Find our own what? Yeah, as individuals. Okay, Pete. We might find our own way. <laughs> Stop being all Stop. Well, Marissa, that was a great coverage of a fashion event. I would like to talk to you a bit about a fashion trend. Okay. I want to start with a revelation <laughs> that and I think you will laugh at me for. Then I'm going to go into a personal story, and then we're going to get down to business. Get down! Okay. Marissa, this is what I learned in my initial stages of this topic. A sweatband can be a headband, but not all headbands are sweatbands. I forgot what you were doing. And not all sweatbands are headbands because they could also be wristbands. Okay. Put that on a shirt. Okay. I am ready. So. For this shit. I am a sweaty person. One time I helped you, Marissa, move. This was from your bug-infested apartment, not your bat-infested apartment. And I Let's, was just... Wait, wait, wait. Let's stop for a minute. <laughs> which... Oh, which bug-infested apartment? You mean fleas? No. Or do you mean the one with the gigantic cockroach? The one with the wasp, hornet, bee infestation? Oh, the wasp living in the walls? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So when Marissa finally broke free of that particular place... I block these things out because... <laughs> Trauma. I break mentally a lot because my life is hard. So you don't know what a survivor you are, Marissa. Thank you. So I was helping her move, and I was just like, gross. And I lived around the corner. And yeah, Marissa's family was like, we're going to take you to lunch or dinner or something. And I was like, I'm a sweaty, sweaty mess. And just gross. Anyway, it was uncomfortable. It's just a memory that I have where... 
What the Marissa, hell? Where Marissa goes, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just sweaty. Was that at the buffet? It wasn't at the buffet, but that was the that was the day. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's not where you ask me that. Yeah, where okay. I didn't eat enough food. Okay. Yeah. Oh. To, to oh, satisfy yeah. your family. Oh yeah. They still talk about it at parties. <laughs> okay. I'm joking. When I get sweaty, it's always noticeable. One time, I went to a job interview, and it was cold and rainy outside. But inside of the buildings, it was like warm, and so they took me from one building to another building, and so I left a warm building into the cold and the rain, and like the sort of like humidity, and then I went into another building, and the other building was like hot, and I was also trying to I was trying to keep up with the person who was like taking me there, and I was in a suit, and so I was sweating, and they were like, well, we made it. And I was like, "Good, I'll have a moment to rest before I meet the dean or the vice president or whoever it was." And they were like, "No, no, go right on in." And I'm like, "Oh, great, great!" Like dripping down my face. Oh. <laughs> and I had to have a conversation with the person. Did you get the job? Which job? I got the offer. Okay. Yeah, Pete. But um, still, I was like, every job he applies for forever. No, only the ones that I don't sweat in. I don't want to say only the ones that I don't want but I mean like the ones that I really want I don't even get a call back oh yeah okay so this guy offered me a seat and again I had a conversation with him while sweat poured off my face I couldn't take off my jacket because that could be a completely different wet mess Ooh. so I just had to have a conversation with somebody I just had to have a conversation with this guy, and it was really uncomfortable. And I remember leaving. When I helped Marissa move, I could go right around the corner and get a shower. When I went to this job interview, I could not. And so I had to sit in my sweaty clothes for two hours before I could get home and do that. Just, you know, really uncomfortable. And the whole entire time, I was like, there's no way. This is exactly what happened. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to get this job because... I looked like a psychopath or I looked like a person <laughs> like a person who's having a heart attack for the entire it. interview. <laughs> Stop and it. I think I had an email waiting for me when I got home with the offer. <laughs> wow. They were like, Oh man, that sweat is impressive. <laughs> he is slick. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. So what can a person like me do? All you can do is try to stay cool. But when you have to be active you might want to wear a headband or a sweatband. Everyone's on the use... edge of their seats being like, what the f*** is this topic? I just told you. I am going to talk about sweatbands, the traditional sweatband, but I probably will say headband and sweatband, inter- sweatband interchangeably. So we're also going to run some parallel timelines, and I won't commit to either one of them, I promise. But what? we'll start in the 1930s. In the 1930s, there were a lot of sweaty people who were working in factories because, as you might recall, we didn't really have a lot of laws to keep people safe and stuff like that. So, according to one historical account, these people tied headbands around their heads to stop sweat from getting into their eyes, or in my case, tickling my forehead and my face the whole oh, time I'm trying to talk. Oh, that's why people do those things. Okay, I never really figured out, like, why. And they also used goggles to keep it out as well. But the bands were made of highly absorbent medical gauze at the time. So they looked stupid. Later, according to another source, tennis player Fred Perry 
had an issue with sweaty arms, which would affect his grip on the racket and lead to problems playing. So he would wrap gauze like the factory workers, but it made him look like a tool. So an Australian footballer offered him a step forward, but the final touches were applied by Perry himself to make the very first contemporary sweatband that he would use on his wrists. Okay. I am a product of the 80s, and I remember the classic terry cloth headband, which is what I'm here to talk about today. Uh, that would be handed out as like a promotional item. What is the op- like what is not cla- what is the not classic? Oh, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> it would be like handed out as a like cheap promotional item. I considered making some for our show. Okay. <laughs> as I was googling, I was like, oh, oh that'd be a that weird sounds fun. thing. Or they would be, like, worn by nerdy people in 90s movies, that sort of thing. Or the Globetrotters in Scooby-Doo reruns. And the Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo reruns, just so we keep track of the timeline, originally aired in the 70s. And maybe that is why my brain connects sweatbands to basketball. Okay. When basketball historians dig into things, not just fashion historians, when basketball uh, historians get in there, they begin where everything NBA always comes back to... Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt Chamberlain was larger than life at the time, and he there's a lot of mythos surrounding him, but he still holds 68 NBA records, including most points scored in a game, points per game in a season, and many consecutive records, like the consecutive game scoring 30 points or more, with 65 games in a row that he did that. Is it a lot? I don't even know. <laughs> Here's the thing that sucks about NBA records. Guess who has the second spot? Wilt Chamberlain. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. The Houston Rockets' James Harden actually took the third spot this year, having 30 consecutive games in a row of scoring 30 or more points. Basically, if Wilt Chamberlain was doing it, it became legendary. So from 1958 to 1973, he began this trend in basketball, which was widespread through the 70s and 80s. Before I tell you some other people that were... Like a little later on, it's important to note that Wilt, Wilt Chamberlain used to wear a headband that was basically like soft terry cloth in the front, and it was like extra padded, and then in the back it was just like it was just like an elastic strip. Okay. So again, it wasn't really getting to the traditional thing that we see from time to time. But later there was Donald Slick Watts, who was one of the first players in the NBA to shave his head. Follow that up with a headband, and you are making a fashion statement. Am I right? Woo-woo, yeah. For opposite reasons, Bill Walton wore one to keep hair out of his way. So one guy shaved his head and he needed a headband. The other guy had too much hair, and so he needed a headband. In a time of flowing manes and disco boots, it was essential for the fashionable gentleman to wear a headband to keep his hair out of his face. Okay. Similarly, today, Brooklyn Nets center Jared Allen wears one to tame his well-sized afro. While this is all happening in basketball, in pop culture, headbands are spreading like wildfire, which is something that I wrote. (laughs) Rocky is wearing them in training montages and movies. Olivia Newton-John is singing Get Physical with Leg Warmers and the whole to-do. Oh, yeah. If you're dumb don't know that, you should Google that. (laughs) Jennifer Beals is repping for dancers in Flashdance. Cher and other musicians wear them, too. And like all trends, this style sort of ended up pulling away from the original while it was working towards being perfected for certain areas. So, Steven Tyler of Aerosmith, for example, is a headband man, but he's never going to wear a terry cloth headband. Uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> there was a shift in the 80s, too. Bigger hair became a bigger deal. And the headband might undo a great hairdo. But in some ways, I feel like, can't yeah. it bump it up? Hold up. A headband might undo a great hairdo. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it might. Okay. <laughs> I thought of that, too. But I didn't know how to, like, phrase it properly to I come like up it. with, like, a specific... A specific hairdo that would help that it would help sort of boost but yes i have seen that as well okay in fact in a lot of like 70s movies you'll be able to find some of that stuff like where there's dancers and things like that there is one player of note who maintained the sweatband even in his darkest hour and that is cliff robinson who kept at it for his entire 18 year career the bulk of which was in the 90s when hip-hop and grunge didn't have time for silly sweatbands but in the early 90s they didn't know that Allen Iverson was coming by the middle of the decade. In 1996, he was the number one draft pick, and style was only part of what made him so iconic. The rest was skill. Iverson donned the headband around his head of well-designed cornrows. And once again, when the most talented guy on the floor is rocking a headband, he is bound to have some followers. Mm-hmm. So headbands, according to one article, hit their peak in the 90s, which... I only found in one article. I think most people are like, no, that was in the 70s. Yeah, I don't agree with that. (laughs) In subsequent years, Carmelo Anthony became uh, a sustainer as well, keeping it his entire career, uh, it becoming a bit of a trademark, while big names like LeBron James and Anthony Davis would also dabble in the headband from time to time, but not be regular headband wearers. Mm, Okay. Nowadays, it seems like every team has at least one player who wears it, of the teams who reached the NBA Finals this year, there is Tobias Harris on the Sixers, Seth Curry on the Blazers, Tory Craig on the Nuggets, Pascal Siakam on the Raptors, and DeMarcus Cousins on the Warriors. And, here's the coolest part, if your favorite player is the guy with the headband, it's really easy to find him when you're watching the game. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> uh, but in these ever-changing times, sweatbands were not immune. Terry cloth no longer reigns supreme, though versions still dominate in the field of women washing their face. I'm sorry, what? You can get a terry cloth headband to put around your face and then push your hair out of the way oh, yeah, and I then wash one. your face. So, just like athletic wear is rapidly evolving these days, so is the headband. Today, absorbency is traded for moisture-wicking fabrics like polyester and spandex blends. I don't know about you, listener, but whenever I wear wicking fabrics, I just get pools of sweat in parts of my body. (laughs) I don't know if I've worn a wicking fabric. I don't think I even know what that is, per se. It basically is designed to pull the sweat away from your body and, yeah, basically, like, it's supposed to, like, roll off like a duck. I mean, I get the idea of it, but, like, what's a wicking fabric? But where's it going to go, right? Like, it's got to go somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, that is true also. So, I'm just saying, like, if you're tucking in a shirt, and it's a moisture-wicking shirt, you're just going to get swamp-ass, guys. Ew. I am no NBA player, though. But I would prefer the soft comfort of terry cloth. I'm also not a person who wears robes, but if I were, I would probably wear a terry cloth robe. No, I like satin robes. You would. In fact... Whatever. (laughs) You... There is a surge in part-time headbandsmen. Yes, I coined that phrase, headbandsmen. I thought I missed you 
ate up that you said that. Okay. <laughs> because of the rise of ninja headbands or samurai headbands made popular by kung fu representations of yore, the oversized. <laughs> the way you he- that was funny. Yes. <laughs> I laughed at myself a lot while I was <laughs> writing up these notes. The oversized headbands, as some culturally sensitive reporters call it, have been showing up a lot in the 1819 NBA season. It was this year's hottest fashion accessory. There was a game where all the Sixers. Wait, wait, hottest fashion accessory with basketball players? Yes, yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, <laughs> thank I didn't you. Think in general. <laughs> you haven't seen a bunch of people walking around town. Uh, no, not exactly. There was a game where all the Sixers took the court. And I thought they just looked so silly because everybody had it like it was part of the uniform. They were all wearing these headbands. I mean, and like cute. It was the starting five. It wasn't everybody off the bench and everything like that. But still, they totally yeah. kicked ass in that game. So I guess, you know, it made them gave them the confidence that they need, which is what fashion does for some of us. Yeah, they, they should wear them to the Met Ball. <laughs> Essentially, the long fabric is tied in the back and it dangles a bit towards the neck. This is mm. the best way I could describe what I'm talking okay. about. A deadspin writer praises the accessory, saying that it adds trailing greatness to the action. Okay. So I move my head, and the trail of the string of uh, fabric this adds, weird. This is all weird. <laughs> adds to the artistry of the move. I don't know. GQ called the trend a headband revolution. No, I don't... He- I was with you. I don't like it anymore. Their main interviewer... Wrapping it up. (laughs) Their main interviewer, however, begs to differ. Pelicans guard Drew Holiday first started noticing this new style of headband courtesy of the women in his life. His wife is Lauren Holiday, a U.S. Olympic soccer player, and his sister had played basketball for many years. We have a lot of friends who played or are playing in the WNBA. The girls have always been wearing the same style of headband for a while. The headband endures like all good things. Wherever you have hair and sweat, a headband is there to end the threat. Okay. Ew. I use okay. Rhinezone. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I really like Drew Holiday's point because when you start to look at headbands that people wear, like at my gym, just like around, you tend to see it is more often women who are wearing headbands for good reason to keep hair out of their face while they're working yeah. out or doing anything really so yeah i thought it was uh, an interesting way to go that was an interesting choice for this to be your topic and i appreciated it <laughs> i couldn't wait to see what direction it was gonna go in it was good i'm sorry that- i lost you at the end i was just quoting other sources that upsetting at the end but i'm not saying that i agree that there was a headband revolution happening <laughs> okay. this year that no one else knew about <laughs> No, you did. All of the research, you're your own source. (laughs) You just chose to masquerade. Again, I still, whenever I'm thinking about this, I'm talking about the guy who has the the classic terry cloth or close to it headband. And that's part of that list that I was mentioning earlier. Sixers guard, maybe? I don't know. Uh, Jimmy Butler, he wears the sort of samurai headband. And again, it's just... I don't know. It's do- it doesn't register in my brain as a functional piece. It looks more like a fashion statement. Because you're not part of the headband revolution. You're correct. I'm not. And I figured one you of your know. questions might be, Pete, are you going to start wearing a headband? 
No, the answer is no. <laughs> the answer is absolutely no. I don't need to ask you. <laughs> but one one of the interesting things that came out of the headband revolution is okay. that apparently <laughs> David Stern, who was the commissioner of the NBA for a period of time, I'm not sure if he still is. Mm-hmm. Basically, he created a bunch of like uh, rules about how you're allowed to dress on the court. So okay. like, there's only so many ways. It's kind of Ooh. like going to a private school. There's only so many ways to show your individuality within by staying within the lines. And apparently, headbands were not one of the areas that he really cracked down on hard. Or like, okay. you can wear your socks up, or you could wear your socks down. You know, like just different stuff <laughs> like that. But like, yeah. you have to tuck in your jersey. You know, like different rules like that. So evidently, there's another rabbit hole to jump down about uh, what the fashion rules in the NBA and other sports are. I mean, that yeah, that would be kind of cool. Is this where you branch off and tell though. me that? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. If you did wear a headband, what would it look like? That That's my icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're finally getting started, guys. That was all just practice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I don't want. No. I don't want a black one. What? I don't want a black one. Why? But I don't think they want like a fluorescent color either. Why wouldn't you want a black one? Because you're racist. I don't know. Black. I, yeah. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> black goes with everything. But at the same time, I don't know. It's classic. It is. I'm not. I'm not a classic you're not person. Classic? You know. No, I'm not. Okay. okay. I'm Fair new enough. and fresh and cool yeah you're very Hip. fresh and cool dope okay nope. i'm uh all nope, those done, millennial i'm all those millennial words you didn't like you're good did i show you that glossary that i'm glad i don't remember anymore <laughs> did i did i show you the glossary of the terms no oh there was a generation y glossary uh that some high school student no i'm sorry that a high school teacher had uh collected and one of the things that I didn't know was the thing is dead dogs instead of like dead ass. You know dead ass, right? No. Like blah blah blah, dead like ass. I'm dead like, ass. Dead ass means like totally serious. Dead dogs is apparently a variation on dead ass. Oh, because you're not allowed to say ass because you're a kid. Uh, no, I don't. I am dead dog tired. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. If you use it like that, like. I was so blessed. You are going yesterday. to college next year. Dead dog. <laughs> You're like, I was so blessed yesterday. Dead dog. But I might have... <laughs> that might not be accurate. If you're a young person and can tell us how to say dead dogs, call us at 570-511. Dead dogs. B O D W A D one. Dead dogs. Call us, dead dog. Still call us dead dog. I feel like I'm talking to a dead dog. What? Call us, comma dead dog. <laughs> it's time for plugs. It's time for plugs. Do you have anything to plug, Marissa? Uh, no. Me neither. Phew, thank God. <laughs> Phew. Yeah, uh, just BTS again. I want to plug the Generation Y glossary. Yeah, you can find it on Lifehacker, I think. Just Google, like, Lifehacker Generation Y glossary. And then it's- call us 
and leave us a message with as many of the words as you can, but like the sentence has to make yeah, sense. Yeah, in an accurate sentence. Yeah. Uh, 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 James, I, I encourage more. you to get your children to do this. I think uh, that would be adorable. Yeah, little babies. Hey, I was so pleased last night, dead dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We will, I will send you a postcard if you have a child using Generation Y phrases in a sentence. Uh, also, if you do want a Y'all Heard headband, please contact me directly. Uh, hit me up in Marissa's DMs or tweet us at Y'all Heard Pod. Uh, or you can, again, call, text, whatever, to 570-PODWAD1, and we will we'll visit our local screen printing friends. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> First, you need to send me a sexual DM, though. Slide into my sexual DMs. I'm joking! I'm joking! I'm make sure, you, make joking. sure when you hit DM, you pick sexual from the pop-up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't <laughs> slide into my DMs. Slide into my sexual DMs. Yeah, so yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> but if you sexually slide into my DMs, you're, you're done. I just thought of sexually sliding. <laughs> oh, <laughs> gross. You're gross. Speaking of gross, the show is grossly complete. Okay, Pete. <laughs> Bye! <laughs> <laughs>